0: go ahead and be seated. Take your Bibles out, though, and turn them again this morning to John chapter 6. We'll be continuing our little uh, detour to our vista point of John chapter 6. We'll be looking at that and reading in just a moment. I was looking in my office before I came up at some of the the things that the, the young people draw and give and I was thinking of some of the things that I, I have at home because as a pastor you collect quite a few of those and I'm amazed at just the, the physical ability of, of young people to draw and to paint things I, I have zero of that um, I, there was a time Cindy can tell you when, when I decided that I was going to try to learn to paint or something like that and I am definitely, as they used to say, more left-brained. My right brain, my creative side, and my ability to do that kind of stuff is just very sad, (laughs) to be honest. If you've ever seen me draw anything, you know. Um, What I know about painting is very, very minimal, but I do know that in painting, there are different sizes of brushes that you can buy. And Basically, the bigger the brush, the bigger the number, the bigger the brush. So this morning, as we come to this passage, we're going to take out a large brush, a number 12 brush, as we look at this. We're going to cover, by God's grace, 36 verses this morning, from verse 35 all the way to the end of the chapter. And I think we can, we can do that by using a broad brush. A reminder of what, where we're at. A large crowd, remember around 15,000 all considered, have been fed miraculously by Christ and they have now followed him and his disciples across the Sea of Galilee to the town of Capernaum on its northwestern shore there. Jesus has, they've come looking for him and he has chided them for their material focus. We saw that last week. Uh, their their focus uh, on the bread and seeking to be fed again. In fact, Jesus exhorted them to not labor, he says, for the food that perishes. Speaking of of the bread, remember the bread and the fish that he had fed them with. Uh, But he says, but labor for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And when he was asked what they must do, what the people must do to, to do the works of God, Jesus responded with very important words. He said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That you believe in me, Jesus is saying. And then when they asked Jesus then to do a sign for them, you know, what sign will you do that we can believe in you? Um, They suggested one, remember from last week, that, that, that he do what Moses did and give them bread from heaven. Jesus turned around and told them that they are missing the whole point. That Moses didn't even give the fathers anything, but God did. And that God the Father is the one now who gives the true bread from heaven. And they, of course, misunderstood that and said, well, give us this bread and then we won't have to worry about getting bread for ourselves anymore. They said, sir, continue to feed us physical bread basically like the woman at the well remember who said well give me give me this living water if i i won't have to come out and draw water anymore and these here said give us that bread that brings us up to where we're going to be this morning because jesus then continues by giving them further teaching on what he's talking about with his whole uh, subject of bread and such and saying that he is the one who gives the bread the father gives the bread that comes down from heaven That's where we're picking up in John chapter 6. So we're going to begin reading in verse 35. So John 6, beginning in verse 35. Now let's stand together as we read God's Word. And we'll read through um, the end of the chapter. Jesus said to them, And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from God. He has seen the father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this record of this teaching of christ we pray that as we look at it now that you would fill our hearts with with understanding fill our hearts with love for christ at what he has done and love lord for you for the great plan that you have put in place by which we might be granted that eternal life and we pray this in jesus name amen please be seated Now, as you're getting comfortable so that you don't think you have to get too comfortable uh, as we go through all of these verses, we're not going to hit on everything this morning. Remember, number 12 brush, broad strokes, uh, just some beginning things. But then what we're going to do next week, Lord willing, is we will come back to this chapter and uh, fill in some of the the lines to give some of the, the details, So that's what our plan is. But what we want to see this morning is that accepting and appropriating the sacrifice of Christ is the one and only way to eternal life. And we're going to, for an outline, uh, give seven words to sort of guide us through this. Seven words, but together in six points. You'll see that point number four has two words in it, but... We'll start by looking at the announcement. That's the first word, announcement. Jesus begins by making an announcement, an astounding announcement. He's been talking about bread and manna and food that endures, food which brings eternal life, which has come down from the Father out of heaven, uh, and, and which he will give. And then, in the first here of what's going to be at least a couple of unforeseen escalations in the, the teaching, in verse 35, he announces to them, shockingly, he says, I am that bread. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. So he clears up here any confusion that there may have been about what he had just said. The manna in the wilderness was really pointing forward some 4,000 years, Jesus is saying, to him. The bread that was multiplied in the wilderness yesterday in their time here, that that points forward to this true bread, and the true bread is Jesus. I am the bread. That's a remarkable thing. And it is an escalation because he's been saying that he gives this bread. Jesus Christ not only gives the food that endures, Jesus Christ not only gives the bread which gives eternal life, but he is that bread. He says, I am the bread. Now, in case there are those who were not here when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Let's take just a moment and pause and think about that phrase, I am. Ego me in the Greek. It's an important phrase on the lips of Christ. And in John's Gospel, we looked at it when we were back in Mark's Gospel. In John's Gospel, it is, it is a very important phrase, and it's almost a, a way of structuring the Gospel. Because John records Jesus using this phrase seven significant times. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. And each one of those statements brings out an important aspect of the person and work of Christ, and each one reminds us that Christ is God. Even as he did back in Mark when he said to the the disciples in the boat when he was on the water still, he says, don't be afraid, it is I, ego me. I am God, I am here. But here in John, this Jesus saying, I am the bread, this is the first of those seven I am sayings. And that phrase is something that you could call a solemnly emphatic statement. Literally, in the original language, it's an intensification of language. A me means I am. And ego means I. So putting them together repeats the subject and, and makes it stand out very strongly. So what we would see here, at the very least, is a powerful statement of an exclusive claim. Jesus is saying, I, and I alone, am the bread of life. But we know it's even more than that, don't we? Because at the most, this phrase is understood as the New Testament expression of the name of God Himself from the Old Testament. When God appeared to Moses and told Moses that he was going to use him to go to Pharaoh and to redeem his people, Moses said, who should I say if, if, the, if the Hebrew children, if the, if the Jews say, well, who are you and who sent you? God said, tell them, I am sent you. That's God's name, his covenant name. And as we see that in the New Testament, in the Greek language, it is expressed by this phrase, ego, eimi. So when that's on the lips of Jesus, it's Jesus' claim to deity. So at the most, this phrase is that, an expression, a reference of Christ's deity. Jesus is saying, I am, I am God, and I am the bread of life. Jesus is the sole and sufficient source of spiritual nutrition as the bread that is able to bring one even from spiritual death to spiritual life. And that's so important for us to hear, for them to have heard. Because there is in man, because of sin, a need, a natural need, a supernatural need, A starving, if you will, that can only be satisfied by Christ. And so this analogy is used of bread. And bread is the perfect analogy. Because we can do, as, as people, we can do without almost anything. But not without food. And our souls are the same. We cannot do without what Christ gives. If we are to be saved. Physical starvation is a terrible thing. Sometimes on the news, on TV, we see pictures of it. We see the the pictures that are graphic, uh, that are heartbreaking of people in various places who have nothing to eat. And bread is the most basic, was then, is now the most basic physical sustenance that we have on this planet. Physical starvation is a terrible thing, but spiritual starvation is worse. And we see pictures of it every day. In the depravity that surrounds us. In the depravity that flows out of us. In the stories that we read, in the news every day. In the moral emaciation of this world. We hear and we see souls that are nothing but skin and bones. And we see pictures of the results of that spiritual starvation in the people around us. In the depression and the hopelessness and the isolation and the desperate searching for something to give meaning. And beloved, Christ alone is the one who can give spiritual nutrition. Nutrition that satisfies the soul. Nutrition that gives eternal life to the soul. Life that is rooted in Christ, that is granted by Christ, that is sustained by Christ. It is that life which the Bible calls eternal life and abundant life. It is abundant here and it travels on into eternity. It is a life that has a specific duration and a specific quality. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus is that bread that came down from heaven and nourishes us unto eternal life. And so Jesus makes that announcement. But he makes another announcement too, an announcement concerning his mission about why he's here, why he came. And he announces here that he has come to gain those that the Father has given to him, to give to them this eternal life. And indeed, that is the Father's will, that Christ secure salvation for all of those. And so we read in verse 38 and following, That's the mission which the Father sent the Son on. And it is a mission which will be accomplished. Verse 38 says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. And as a result, verse 37 assures us that all that the Father gives me, Jesus says, will come to me. See, Jesus will not fail in his mission. He will not fail in the goal that the Father has set for him. The Father has given to the Son a kingdom, and so he has necessarily given him subjects for that kingdom. And Jesus' mission is to come and to secure salvation for those subjects, to gain their entry into that kingdom, into God's family. And this he does effectively by his life and death. By these he provides what is necessary to bring them in. Jesus has come down from heaven to provide them with that living bread from heaven that nourishes unto eternal life and that bread, that eternal life giving true bread from heaven Jesus says is me. I don't just give it, I am it. Because that's the goal that I have been set to accomplish. And so that's the announcement. But then we get the answer from the Jews. That's the second thing, is the answer. Now this is the first time in this passage that this particular group has been referenced. He's talked a lot about the crowd, but now he talks about the Jews. Um, and this could refer to the leadership in the synagogue, which is also in this passage here mentioned for the first time. It could be those attending the synagogue. We're not exactly sure who it is. But it seems to emphasize, by all of a sudden saying the Jews, seems to emphasize that these are the, of the same mentality as the Jews of Moses' day, which Jesus has been referencing here as he's been talking about Moses' Because they, the people then, the Jews then, the children of Israel in the wilderness, remember both before the giving of the manna, God's giving of bread from heaven, and after it, they did the same thing. And it's the same thing that these Jews, we read twice here in this passage, do. Verse 41 says that they grumbled. Remember that from the Old Testament? Remember that from the children of Israel? They grumbled. We almost expect to hear that they grumbled. But interestingly, they grumble, they stumble because of the the part of Jesus' phrase that says that he came down from heaven, even more so than the, I am the bread of life. See, the humility of Christ was a, a huge problem for them. Certainly, such a one as Jesus, to them, low in station, low in circumstance, even possibly illegitimate as a child, he couldn't be from heaven. The language in verse 42 is that they say, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? See, that's where they're getting hung up here. He says that he is the bread from heaven but this is just the carpenter's son. We saw a similar episode back in in Mark's gospel. We know Joseph or they knew him when he was alive if by this time he's not, and we know Mary. And the point is we know who his parents are, we know where he's from. How can he say to us, I'm from heaven? Verse 42. How does he now say I've come down from heaven? Signs, miracles, teaching, all notwithstanding, they cannot accept that Christ is the one who has come down from heaven. So Jesus then turns around and answers them in verse 43 and basically says to them, quit grumbling, quit mumbling. He says in verse 43, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets. And they all will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. <clears throat> Don't be surprised about your inability to understand and to agree with the things that I've been saying You don't come to seek me and you don't come to me because you're not able to, Jesus is saying. You haven't heard and you haven't learned from God because, he says, if you had, you would come to me. The one who learns from God learns about Christ and comes to Christ. Those who hear the Father come to the Son and believe in the Son and whoever believes in the Son has eternal life because the Son is the bread which came down from heaven to give eternal life. Those who do, do. Those who don't, don't. Period, Jesus says. Very clear words. A very clear rebuke to them and a deep teaching from Christ. And just as those here in John 6 did not submit themselves to the teaching of God regarding who Jesus was and what he came to do and the results of what he came to do, there are many today who will not submit themselves to this teaching of God in regard to man's utter inability in himself to come to Christ or to the truth stated here with absolute clarity and in no uncertain terms that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. There is no other way. We'll talk more about it next week. No manipulation. No works. Nothing can be done to save a person, to bring a person to Christ, except the work of God on that person. And Lord willing, we'll look more at that next week. We've seen the announcement. We've seen the answer. The third thing, the third word to get us through this now is appropriation. In verses 48 and 49, here Jesus again steps this up one more time. Almost, it sounds almost as if he's trying to offend the Jews. Now, of course, he's not just trying to offend them, but this truth is offending to them. In verse 48, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died This is the bread that came down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. That's offensive. Jesus seems to do that quite often too, doesn't he? He pushes up against the assumptions and the false teachings of the day and lays things out in a confrontational way. He doesn't pull any punches when it comes to the truth. And here is one of those instances. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus has compared himself and his coming and his working to Moses and specifically to that, the manna that Moses gave in the wilderness. And now he returns to that in verse 49 when he says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Jesus points back to them and says, where are they now? They're dead. They died. The bread, the manna that God gave to them in the wilderness was able to provide uh, physical sustenance, but it could not provide spiritual sustenance. But now, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And if anyone eats of this bread that I am, Jesus is saying, that is, if anyone appropriates and receives Christ by faith, he will not die spiritually, but he will live forever. And when the Jews questioned this down in verse 52, they disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Showing that they are still not understanding what Jesus is saying. Because they've not learned it from God, we just saw. Jesus repeats it, and Jesus amplifies it in verse 53. And again, another escalation. Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. That probably got their attention. As us reading it today, it gets our attention. Because it's, it's out there, isn't it? What does Jesus mean by that? Well, pay attention because this is important. The key to this section is verse 51, where Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. That's the point. That's the verse to circle, to highlight in all of this. Jesus is the true bread of life. That bread is the key to eternal life. And the bread that Jesus gives is his flesh. That's what makes him the bread of life. That what he gives is himself. He gives his flesh. Now notice he doesn't use the word body, but he says flesh. They're different words. The Father gave the Son... Who, do you remember back to John chapter 1, verse 14? uh, The Word became, what? Flesh and dwelt among us. And now it is that flesh that Jesus will offer up as the bread of life. And these terms, flesh and blood, and I will give, are all pointing in one direction. And that direction is to the cross. Jesus speaks of a certain simple act of giving. A giving in which he will offer up his flesh and blood. His blood spilled, his body broken, his life given. That's the bread. It's not just the body of Christ but the life body and blood or the life and body and blood of Christ given as a sacrifice of atonement to satisfy the wrath of God against sin. It is Christ fulfilling what he was sent by the Father to do. so that Jesus would lose none of those whom God had given to him, but that he would redeem them all, reconcile them all, save them all from their sin, give eternal life to them all, through him giving over that flesh to death and to the wrath of God. Well, so then what does it mean to eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood? Certainly this is a metaphor. Otherwise it would be cannibalism. Otherwise it would be contrary to the law of God. Certainly it is a metaphor and it is a metaphor and it means to accept and to receive and to appropriate that provision. Provision. That sacrifice and the benefits it secures must be appropriated by anyone who would benefit from it. To know it, know about it is not enough. Even to believe that it really happened is not enough. It must be taken up. It must be believed. It must be trusted in. It must be eaten and drunk. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him, Jesus said, eats His flesh and drinks His blood. That's what it means. He says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. And Jesus speaks of that appropriation, that connection, under this picture of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Whoever does so, Jesus says, has eternal life. And Jesus said, I will raise him up on the last day. And verse 60 Reiterates that and says, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. It is because of Christ. It is because he came down from heaven. And it results in us being brought into the closest communion with him. We are united to Christ. The Spirit dwells in us. So we are appropriating Christ To ourselves, just as eating bread brings us into close communion with the bread that we eat. That's where the connection of the, the metaphor works. We appropriate its nourishment into our own bodies. Verse 56 says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread, Jesus said, will live forever. That is the key to what Jesus is saying here and how we are to understand Jesus as the bread of life. Now, many people read this chapter and and think that this section here is a reference to the Lord's Supper. But it's not really. There is a close connection between the two, and and it is this. Listen carefully here. What Jesus is saying here, what Jesus is pointing out here in John chapter 6, is really talking about what the Lord's Supper signifies, what it represents, what it, it... signifies and seals to us the death of Christ on the cross and the result of his life and death. It's not some mechanical eating and drinking. Now, we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning at the end of the service, but there are many who take the Lord's Supper outwardly and physically who have not partaken of Christ and who do not partake of Christ. Partaking, appropriating Christ as Jesus is teaching it here, gives eternal life. The Lord's Supper that we will be partaking in does not give eternal life. But it reminds us about the things surrounding eternal life, and it strengthens that eternal life where it already exists. Jesus saves. The Lord's Supper does not save. So there's a difference between the two. So that brings us to the assessment and abandonment. This is the reaction of the crowd. They hear this. John records their assessment, which is the assessment of many today to the words of Christ. Look at verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? Well, yeah. This is a hard saying. We've had to take time and could probably take more time in explaining it and working through it. But it's a hard saying, especially with the clarity and, and in the tangible way that Jesus has been laying it out here. But however he would have say, said it, it's a difficult saying. It's hard words. To listen to it, to embrace it, to... to Understand it means to agree with Jesus' statements. It means to agree that you are spiritually starving, in fact, spiritually dead. It means to agree that you need saving. It means to agree that you can't save yourself. It means to agree that there's only one way of eternal life, not by earning it, but by receiving it, by being joined to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. It means to do away with your pride, with your self-assurance, with your self-confidence. It means to come humbly to Jesus, to come believing and saying, Lord Christ, I receive and appropriate your flesh and blood, and I know that they alone are the means of eternal life, that they alone give life everlasting. That's what this means. And those things are hard to hear. Those things are hard to do. They're impossible to do unless the Father draws you, unless the Spirit enables you to come. Jesus said in verse 44, once again, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And Jesus says in verse 64 that there are some of you who are hearing this who don't believe. And John adds here that Jesus knows who they are, both in the the larger context of, of the disciples' Uh, writ large, all of those who are following him, and even among the twelve, because he knew the one that would betray him. Beloved, it is when faced with these words of Christ that the true nature of faith is revealed. Will you be content to do these things? Will you come to Christ on his terms and not insist on coming on yours? Because that's the only way to come to Christ is on His terms. To come to Him humbly. To come to Him as the bread of life. Who gives His life that you may have life. As a result of this analogy between Christ's sacrificed flesh and blood... With bread and and the analogy of the bread, then to eternal life and the the life giving qualities of Christ's sacrifice, which so offended many of his listeners. Because of all of this, John tells us in verse 66 that after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Now, remember, the disciples here is speaking of the, the bigger crowd who followed him. A disciple is a follower. The apostles, the twelve, they are part of the disciples, but they are not all of them. And Jesus said that some of the disciples, those who followed him, when they heard this, said, this is too much. So here, if you will, is the church growth strategy of Jesus. He rather explicitly ignores the felt need of the group Remember, they come to him with their felt need. Lord, give us more bread. But he casts that aside and speaks to them about their true need and says to them quite bluntly that there is no way to eternal life except through trusting in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That's what this is about. And further, he says to the crowd who have a problem with it that they don't believe because God the Father has not granted them to believe and because they haven't learned from God. You probably haven't heard that from Joel Osteen, have you? So we've heard an announcement. We've heard an answer. We've talked about the appropriation We've heard the assessment and the abandonment of many of the disciples. But fifthly, there's an acknowledgement. As the crowd disperses, many walk away. Some say, we are through with this. Faint-hearted, disheartened by what Jesus has said, that he's not going to, first that he's not going to be their divine chef, but also that he's saying these very difficult things. Jesus then turns to his own inner circle. Now the twelve. And he asks them a powerful, penetrating question. And it's in verse 67. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? You've seen these others who have said, we're out of here. Do you want to leave? The popularity now of of following Jesus, is diminishing. The sheen of Christianity is starting to tarnish. Since we're talking about that, I'm convinced that a similar situation is coming in the church, to the church in the United States where it is going to become increasingly difficult to be a nominal Christian. That the question is going to come to us Do you want to walk away as well? We need to be ready for that. We need to consider that. We need to count the cost of following Christ. But here, uh, he asked the question, and Peter, good old Peter, who at times seems so often to say the wrong thing, here he says the very right thing. In verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter and the twelve, despite their failings, we've looked at the fact that, that they, were, they have had their failings and, and the feeding of the 5,000, they didn't understand that. When Jesus was, uh, came to them on the water, they, they still didn't really get it. Remember, they, they did not understand the loaves. They failed in regard to that. But despite all of that, doubts that, that they've had, doubts that they'll continue to have, they still understand their need. They still understand the one place, the only place, where they can go to hear the words of eternal life. And that's to Jesus. And Peter rightly says, where else would we go? There is nowhere else to go. They are beginning to, to understand and to believe that this one who is able to feed 15,000, who is able to walk across the churning, storming sea of Galilee and cause the storm to cease, he who could heal the sick, he who gave clear proof that he was equal to God and that God with his Father, they, in Peter's words, have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. As John records it here, they're starting to get it. And that leads us to our last word, and that is appeal. Appeal. Listen to what Jesus says throughout this passage. Let me summarize just a few things. Jesus says, whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus says, whoever looks on the Son and believes in him has eternal life. Jesus says, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Jesus says, whoever believes in me has eternal life. Jesus says, if anyone eats of this bread, which is him, he will live forever. Jesus says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus says, whoever feeds on me will also live because of me. And Jesus says, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Do you see the message of this passage? Do you hear the appeal of this passage? Jesus, the bread of life, gave his flesh and blood to give eternal life to any who will believe. Believe in him. Whoever will may come, and he will be received by Christ, Jesus says, and from Christ he will receive eternal life. Have you done that? Will you do that? How have you responded to this? How will you respond to this? Like the crowd? Well, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And turn your back on Christ Or, like Peter and the disciples here, will you recognize that there is nowhere else that you can go? Not if eternal life is your goal. Will you say you have the words of eternal life, Jesus? Will you say, I have believed and have come to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God? I pray that you have. I pray that you do. And to that Let us say, amen. Father, we pray, Lord, that if there are any hearing this, either here in the auditorium or through various electronic means who are hearing this and who have not yet looked to Christ, we pray, Father, that you would use these powerful words of our Lord to work salvation in them, that they will come, that they will come to Christ, that they will say, I have believed, I have come to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God, that He has the words of eternal life, that He is the bread of life. We pray that you would do that, Lord. And for those of us who have done that, Father, we pray that this would be a wonderful reminder of the glory of Jesus Christ, of His, of his glory, of His humility, to come and to do what he did in order that we might gain eternal life. Father, we thank you and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.